0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Okay, is everybody good? Well, Hugh's not here. Should we wait? If I swear to God, if anybody can do a halfway decent Hugh Jackman impression. No. Oi,
1: oi, hello, it's me, Hugh Jackman.
2: He's Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Is that not an Oscar? No, that was that was
1: okay. lovely. Hello, hello, it's me, Hugh Jackman. <laughs>
2: hello, hello, I'm at a place called Vertigo. I'm doing nice. very intentionally not Australian
1: sure. shrimp on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: uh, in I mean, Australia's Australia. mistake.
1: Australia, <laughs> uh, I'll
0: die. I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: If I
3: wasn't positive that my accent was just way worse than theirs, I would have been doing it, too. <laughs> and I would have resorted to just, like, shrimp on the barbie. Oh, go on a walkabout. <laughs> no accent
1: here is just me, Hugh. <laughs> Wine <go>. <laughs> <go>. article, in <laughs> it. <Indeed. laughs>
3: Guest of the podcast, Reese Darby, is here.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Uh, why hasn't that guy gotten a video game role yet? Reese, please start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, please, P L H Y. Yes. Please, he just Reese.
1: it. He'll never come on now. He hates when people make fun of his name. <laughs> Reese, please, Reese's please. I gotta say mm-hmm. though, like people with Police's super monkey.
3: distinct voices like that in video games have taken me out of it before, like Peter Stormare, like Stephen Merchant. In well, the one World that II? did it, the one that That's did it for me was Wait. um Peter Stormare. He was in, uh, uh, in
1: Until
0: Dawn. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right! Yeah, 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 yeah. Go the sorry. one that
3: did no—that's okay. The one that did it for me was uh, in *Mass Effect Andromeda*. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani plays one of the Solarian scientists, and I this was—this is while I was watching *Silicon Valley*. Oh. And so, like, when he would talk, I'd be like, I'd stop. I stop. It is can, like his voice is pretty trained. It's very hard for him to mask that, like, yeah. nasally it's, Tony's guy. It's like got. good
1: casting, right? Like, right. As a Solarian, it fits pretty with pretty other funny. Solarians, yeah, but
3: yeah. I could just pick out his voice every time.
0: Did you spill?
2: <laughs> Mopping it up with the cast of a series, man.
0: It's very thematically consistent. You though.
2: keep putting down timestamps as if we're going to stop talking about nonsense.
0: Will you edit these <laughs> into the podcast? I thought about doing the debility thing in there, <laughs> but I think that might be a little bit racially coded. A little bit racially coded. Well, like making "quote unquote" making fun of names that are like popular or unique to Black culture, oh. like. I mean, I heard a lot of those jokes from extended family as kids, as a kid. So, I'm like, gross. I try That's not, to be. I try to be sensitive. Disability is that. a
1: real phrase that people say. Is it really? Yeah, it's a gaming term. I really, guess you wouldn't know that.
2: <laughs> My name is Cody Narvis, and I wouldn't know that. <laughs>
1: Certainly not. Do
0: you hear anything?
1: It's a. Uh, it's exactly. A, <laughs> it's a more PC version of disability, or like debility. Um, there are other terms that were aw- handicapped that used to be yeah handicaps and stuff like that they or like ailment i guess is like another word for you it.
3: Took, like in games like status effects yeah, and things like, like, like that
0: effects, oh, okay. except that
1: like oh. in tabletop role-playing they were often like disabilities right, right that was like
0: they problematic thought about it yeah, yeah. so yeah hmm, okay <clears <clears <throat> i never knew anxiety. that
1: well there you go i guess or or maybe it's a off-color joke about black names I don't know,
0: man. I'm trying to be (laughs) sensitive to it. It's Pride Week. (laughs) Oh, uh, Hugh Jackman celebrated Pride Week very openly and, like, proudly or whatever. But he said that he didn't, he had been told by somebody in the crowd before the show what the A in LGBTQIA meant. In the the choir, choir. yeah. He had a local choir choir. performing Mm -hmm. with him. Um, And as I've understood, there's some discourse over whether it should be considered ally or asexual. Like, whether the A should stand for ally or or asexual. There
1: are two A's usually.
0: Both A's, like including both? Yeah.
3: Oh, well, that's even more progressive and forward than. Okay, I'll be honest. What's the I? Because I don't remember the I
0: being. Uh, Intersex? Is that. It stands for I. Okay. That's your personal involvement in in the movement. It is is Taylor Swift's part of the the movement. (laughs) Oh, okay. I. (laughs) Woof.
1: Intersex is is right. Intersex. Okay. I'm uh, asexual or allies, I guess. Oh,
0: okay, so he, he referenced allies, and I'm like, oh, he's canceled, because, like... Yeah. Allies <laughs> a allies are, are, well, are a lot, part of the queer... Uh, exactly, <laughs> like, a lot of... And he said, like, that's me, That's I'm, I'm an ally. And I feel like he's a 50-year-old man who's trying to do his best up on stage in front of 14,000 people, so...
1: He has to know what the demographics are of people who come to his it singing was, show. Today.
0: It was <laughs> it was conservatively 65% old like, white
3: women. Like, yeah, moms between the age of oh, I guess 30 and 50, which is, a What's lot. That? They they whooped it. Oh, they, we were when we were in the uh, auditorium. The uh, the crowd around us was all women, <laughs> all in that middle age demographic, and they and yeah, they were very energetic. They were going, they were
2: going nuts. Yeah, it's Hugh
1: Jackman in there. It? <laughs> gonna uh, bring the fucking ass down. Thank you
2: for listening to Try Love's episode about Hugh Jackman's uh, one man show.
0: We're going to be starting with uh, mm-hmm. as he did the opening number from The Greatest Showman. um... Which is the greatest show, man? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> You'll note that I'm writing down yet another time. Yeah. thank you for tuning in. The final episode. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to Murder Everyone. Thank you very much for listening to A literal roundtable discussion of movies we've seen at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can follow us on pot on Twitter on Pot. On pot. <laughs> you can follow us, but only
2: you if you're sober. You plays. can follow us on pot, <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: That's what I sound like. I'm, I'm stone cold sober. God, it's hot in here. Uh, you can follow us oh, on no, Twitter at try love podcast. Uh My name's Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. And, and I'm nope. Seth. Nope. Oh, Fun. shit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Start it over.
0: Nope. Okay.
1: Start it <laughs> Who over. are you? Run it back. Rewind. It back.
0: Uh, I'm Seth. Seth what? Do, do, they, do they do their full names? Uh, Eric didn't. But I wish you Well, that's it. the one I listened to. <laughs> you listen to, you you to, to, to the first 45 I to the interesting ones. I to the interesting listen to the
1: information about yourself. Okay. Uh,
3: you uh, I'm Seth Don't make the rules here. Uh, here. Uh, blood type A
0: negative. Is yeah. that pretty oh. rare? Yeah, 6%. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah congratulations, congratulations, I tried to my blood man. when I can. Blood types everybody. Harry. I'm O negative, I think. You are You're the socialist blood donor.
1: The cipher for
2: humanity. The all spark. The all spark.
0: Cody, what type.
2: I think I'm O negative, but man, no, oh man, I'm it. not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, honestly, I'm not positive. <laughs>
1: you <know what? laughs> oh, no, you're negative. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.
2: <laughs> I, see uh, I, am,
0: I am. I am. Be positive. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a joke.
1: <laughs> and we're going to be positive on this episode about this
0: movie <laughs> where we're talking about. This is the, the greatest villain. show, man. We're going to be talking about uh, the fifth element, Luke Besson. Luc- Besson. Luc Besson? Luke Besson?
1: Luke Besson is right. I okay, think.
0: I've never actually heard the name pronounced out loud except Harry. We could like go Besson on and on about this man's name, but we're not. Seth, care to comment? That was good.
1: <laughs> yes, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
0: 1996, did we say? Seven film. I've <laughs> heard the date like 30 times this morning. So it's it a 1998 95. film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by 1995, who can forget element. that 1938 <laughs> classic, The Fifth Element, <laughs> by Luke Besson, uh, It is Mia jo- Jovovich's um, breakout role. Mila, right? What did I say? Mia. Just going to roll it back okay. and undo this episode. Okay. Sorry, not really. Okay. Uh, but blooper. I don't have a summary written up for this one, so that's all totally we okay. offered.
2: We have two. Um, this first one is from letterboxed.com. Um going with Letterboxed first. Yeah, I yeah, because uh, it's a shorter protocol. one. Uh, do you think I should do Wikipedia's first?
1: That's up to you, man. I was uh, just commenting on the breach.
2: Does anybody protocol. have a preference which one they'd want to hear first? Well, pretty, I'd like to hear cool mine,
0: boat? but I don't have one, so just whatever. All else is uh, chaff, and I'm wheat. All right, right here. I'll do. I'll do Wikipedia's first.
2: We'll see how this goes. So, primarily set in the 23rd century, uh, the Fifth Element's central plot involves the survival of planet Earth which becomes the responsibility of Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, a taxicab driver, and former spe- Special Forces. Special Forces is highlighted blue, indicating it's a clickable link. Could you click through that link? Um, yeah, yeah, right yeah. Let's
1: get, let's get to the end of the summary first. Please. No,
2: here. Uh, special Forces uh, and Special Operations Forces, or <laughs> <laughs> SOFs, are military units trained to conduct special <laughs> operations. Are you fucking that was kidding me? roundabout sentence I've ever heard. Yeah. A
0: he's uh, a <laughs> He's
2: a former that... Um, <laughs> and after uh, a young woman uh, M- Mila Jovovich falls into his cab. To accomplish this Dallas joins forces with her to recover four mystical stones essential for the defense of Earth against the impending attack of a malevolent cosmic entity.
1: I think they refer to it as the Dark Planet at the very end of the movie and that's Do the they? first time it has a name. I guess right,
3: I didn't after even know they say they, uh, Z- uh, Are we allowed to like, go out of order? Zorg's receptionist says Mr. Shadow. When, that's right. Yeah, that's probably
0: the entity. Like what he assumes, like the form he yeah. assumes, the voice he assumes. It assumes yeah. to yeah. communicate with him specifically, right? I,
1: I actually really liked the idea that it has to call people on the phone, not, not because like, not, like it has into to, but brains. like that's how you that's right. how you understand what's happening to you. It's uh, like if, if I just came straight into your mind, it would you would you destroy a beam. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to go through the phone so that you understand <laughs> what's happening. And your brain still your, bleeds. Like, oil still builds up on your forehead or whatever. Is that oil, or was
0: that... It, was it looked like Sweet blood. Baby Ray's. It's,
3: but it, it's super dark.
1: It was very dark, yeah. and, like... A different consistency than blood and also right. there was no wound mm-hmm. <laughs> it just like bubbled up through his pores <laughs> oh, out,
2: yeah. of, his, yeah, out yeah. of his hair out of his uh, did you want
1: to hit the wikipedia yeah i
2: things? was well, actually now that we're talking about the bubbling up out of the head it reminded me of um the shot of ash in alien when just his goopy white oh, for, for sure, blood yeah. just starts coming out of his head i don't know shout out to alien shout out to alien
0: shout out to ian holm Who's also in this movie?
2: Yeah, not enough. If you ask me.
0: Yeah, he. uh, They set him up as a pretty big part, and then kind of like shelve him. Yeah, like they do with Lelou.
2: Yeah, like they do with Lelou.
0: Yeah, that Lelou that they do do.
2: Uh, Luke Perry's also
1: in
0: this movie for one scene. (laughs) Yeah, they put him in the like (laughs) lead credits of this movie, and and he's in. He like dies. He gets exploded. That was
2: actually that's actually uh, Letterboxd.com's synopsis is like Luke Perry's in this movie too. Yeah three exclamation points
1: that would be my synopsis
2: yeah um no this one's much shorter in 2257 a taxi driver is unintentionally given the task of saving a young girl who is part of the key that will ensure the survival of humanity young girl seems like a weird descriptor of uh the person who is the romantic interest of bruce willis a Mm. notable
0: old man yeah even by this point
2: yeah
1: are we allowed to play clips of the movie? Because I took a clip from this movie on my phone, <laughs> which is the point at which I understood what kind of movie this was going to be.
0: Come at me, MPAA. You
1: see here these different peoples,
0: or symbols of people, gathering together the four elements of life. Water, fire, earth, air. Around a fifth one. A fifth... element. Element.
1: <laughs> the scene I just played yeah. takes place about two minutes into the movie. It consists of this old uh, Egyptian researcher staring at hieroglyphs, seeing the fifth element and going, a fifth
2: element. Uh, Will Smith showed up very early in this movie to say, that's it, huh? Or some kind of fifth, fifth element. This <laughs> shows up way too early. I
0: need a sound bite for every time that you do that shit. <laughs>
1: Uh, it should be noted <laughs> wild, wild also west. that they say the title of the movie Fifth Element like 16 they more do. times. They do. It, it shows amazing. up a lot.
0: Well, I mean, like, to be fair...
1: She is the Fifth Element. She is the Fifth Element. Or is the Fifth Element love?
0: Mm. Yes. Sugar, spice, and everything nice. And then chemical do, 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 do. <laughs> Uh We need to let, stop letting this uh, devolve into, yeah. like, single words that come out of my mouth and then silence. So just pick it up, everybody. Say better one words. Never. Uh, so this movie is essentially the 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 the, uh, the 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 MacGuffin of it is that she is is this extra like all powerful being that has been imprisoned within a tomb in Egypt for centuries five thousand years approximately and the movie opens in nineteen fourteen with this archaeologist finding it the <clears throat> some I guess I never really pieced together what the what are they called the Mandalorians or something? Mandashiwan Thank you. Mondeshiwins uh, come to, like, protect the secret of this all-powerful being. Right,
1: because their whole <clears throat> sort of secret society seems to revolve around preventing the, like, um, what is the omnicide of life itself?
0: Oh, oh wow. Um. Oh, wow. What a word
1: because it's it's once every 1000 years, right? 5000 like 5, 5000? 5, yeah. Wow. Uh the the dark planet or Mr. Shadow or whatever comes and he eradicates all human life. He's a reaper <laughs> essentially. <Yeah>. Uh <laughs> this made me want to play Mass Effect real <laughs> bad. Uh and um <clears throat> and these these guys are supposed to stop it and the way that they stop it is through this prophecy where there's an all-powerful being and when this being is reunited with the four stones of power or whatever the infinity the stones. The Shankara stones. Yeah. Um, I was going to say,
2: did they ever confirm that Mr. Shadow was just Thanos? uh,
1: I don't think it's confirmed, but we can can surmise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, She creates the light of creation out her mouth, (laughs) and it shoots and explodes uh, Mr. Shadow. Uh, Does it come out of her mouth?
0: It looked like it it came out of her chest.
1: Oh, chest-mouth situation. It was sort of a lot of light (laughs) flowing.
0: Just a beam. The one thought, and
3: this, this just dawned on me as you guys were talking about it, I've 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 always wanted to know when they were in when she was encased in that tomb beforehand because this is like a a cyclical event that happens. Like, was was she just love as a statue? Did anybody need to like
0: worship the statue for it to activate?
3: What a beautiful thing! Is that. Well, no, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> do, you, do you
0: mean? Do, are you, do you mean to imply that like ancient cultures would have worshipped her, and that's the love that's, that she needed that, well, to well, express her power? Yeah, because mm. wow, that's at, world at, building.
3: At the cli- well, at the climax of the film, they have the four elements, it's the stones, same... it's activated. They're uh, in the middle. She's there, yeah. and nothing's happening until Corbin Dallas expresses his love for right. her. He,
0: that's interesting. She
1: she has to be she has to be taught that life is worth preserving in order to activate her latent powers by this. Horny blonde, sad itchy. sack insane no, Bruno <laughs> bruno himself plays Corbin <laughs> Dallas, uh, Bruce Willis.
0: Uh, no, the, the intro shot of this, um, during that opening scene of the actual like the fifth element that somebody remarks is the fifth element, like the mm-hmm. uh, monk who comes in and says, like, the fifth element, that's the it, fifth element. It's a way longer pause than that, yeah. but uh, the statue is like staring towards the heavens with its mouth agape, mm-hmm. so like. Yeah, there's probably some credence to that theory. That I like, like that theory. It
1: also seems like maybe the, uh, what was this? Ancient race of aliens, what did you
0: say? Oh, Mondeshiwin.
1: Mondeshiwins. Hmm. It seems like they might all be unactivated Mila Yakovitches. Did I pronounce that right? Yovich. Yovovich. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, because later on in the in the movie, um, en route to delivering the stones, uh, they're destroyed by some of Gary Oldman's um, hired mercenaries, and they are all killed except for this arm of one of the the aliens, and from this arm they reconstruct uh, Leilu, the the divine being. Um, Leilu. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm getting all the Yeah, ago. they, they put okay. her into this
0: chamber from her cellular structure. It's apparently like a perfect cell.
1: Well, because, because there are so many metachlorians or whatever inside just this arm
0: <laughs> that they're it is, able to read reconstruct- the essence of her existence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like,
1: this sounds like some kind of freak of nature. Nobody has this many metachlorians. <laughs> like. <laughs>
0: I do love that, like, they, go, they went through the painstaking explanation of, like, here's how we're going to rebuild this person. Rather than just, like, science and timey wimey it away, they put this hand, this severed hand, that looks to be in, a, like, some sort of power suit, some sort of power, something that came out of, like, mm-hmm. one of the early Fallout games, into, like, this uh, radiation bath. That apparently like harms the cells such that they have to like repair themselves. And, but as that's they're also building, after like, 3D they three D build
1: the skeletal structure and then the muscular structure, and then there's like a radiation bath, like you said, and that builds the skin. Yeah. And so, like, long story short, there's like this this power armor hand inside the the um, containment unit, and then this l- shell goes over it, and then lo and behold, there she is
0: on, on the, the other Joe side. Jovovich. Yeah. Popped out.
1: Yovich rises, rising. Um. <laughs> so, so that was the question I had. There was like, is that what the whole race is all about? Is like any of these dudes could become Mila Jovovich?
0: Did you you had some question about like whether it's explained that there are like that she is one of the people who's in that suit, or if like in those suits walking around, or if she was well? Like, the question in I the... had
3: before, yeah, was they never fully explain if she is Amanda Shewan in the suit or. If that is a fragment of that tomb, because like yeah, based off of the one shot, it looks like the Mondeshiwin armor, mm-hmm. but the full tomb I always thought that was a fragment of the, the tomb thing that the Mondeshiwins carry out in the beginning of the film.
1: That's a great explanation. Yeah. Cause, like, that's the question I had too. Right. right? And it, like either way, it, these guys are all about protecting life. Uh, what did they say? Time doesn't matter. Only life matters. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Before getting squished in the tomb. Um, we move, we meet, uh, what is his name? Corbin, Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. A real, I, just sad sack, piece of shit weeb. He's reading, He's weeb? Uh, 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 Sanctuary. Sanctuary. He's reading Sanctuary on his bed, mm-hmm. uh, when he gets calls from his mom to, like, call her more often and stop treating her like shit. This
1: movie hates women real, real bad. It's n-
0: it's not great representation throughout the movie. Boy, it hates women. Women are sidelined or forgotten or, like. Uh, bigger point know, than ma- because it's
1: it's a
0: Luke movie so you know um that's what Luke all about barely
1: constrained fetishes uh in this movie extremely yeah. horny movie there's
0: that opening well not opening but uh, introductory scene to Leeloo where like she's just naked in the radiation bath for a good like 15 seconds and the general's like I had to take pictures for the archives yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just these two these two on. priests see her taking off her top and they both turn around and one of the priests says to the other, Boy, they really did make her perfect. Uh this this whole movie, the whole story of this movie, this is one of my big notes, was about creating uh like circumstances wherein like a dude's shitty, horny, alpha male behavior is not only justified, but like actively encouraged. Like like the whole point of this movie was writing a story around which it was good to be uh, what's his name? Corbin Dallas? <laughs> hmm.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, he is unfortunately, he's the main character. He gets to do everything. Despite her being the fifth element, the secret to unlocking, like, the protection of the universe, he is cast and, like, played as the lead character because he actually gets to do things. Um, the It's not, like, the rule but the exception to what you were saying is when he makes the incredibly ass-headed move of kissing her to wake her mm-hmm. up. And he wakes up, or she wakes up, and has a gun to his head, and like is actually protesting that, saying like, "Not, nah, that's never without my permission." Never without my permission really. in our own language. It's not a great example of like, "You're wrong, Harry," but it's like
1: it's not an example at all of oh, wrong. because like, okay. that's the that's the, uh, the parallel fetish of Luke Besson. Like all all a of the women shot. in his movies are both powerful and fragile they say that about six times in this movie yeah. at one point the priest is talking to a robot drunk and, he, and he's like she's so powerful but she's so fragile and it's like jesus christ lupus on like if you stop jacking off behind the camera for a second
2: that is the the turn of the last like 20 minutes of the movie um lilu is unconscious and bruce willis is told just that sort of same reiteration of you're obsessing over this being Continue to do that. Take care of her. She needs you to do that in order for the world to be saved.
1: Yeah, we're so lucky that that Bruce Willis is so horny for this <laughs> this person he can't communicate with.
3: Uh, I, you know, uh, that's fair, and I don't want to, uh, you know, dismiss Luc Besson's treatment of women in the film. You know, if if he does a bad job with the the roles, he deserves criticism. But I think Corbin Dallas's character does have a bit. of of some character development because they allude to his past as a military figure and the only remaining uh, u- uh, member of his unit left alive. And half of this is Bruce Willis's acting as just <laughs> a very sort of aloof, not-in-it character. But I think he sort of has this arc of n- realizing that he, to himself, he has these alpha, you know, alpha male behaviors, shooting all these guys, saving the world. He ends up saving the world at the very end by expressing emotional vulnerability and telling Lilu he and loves her.
1: It looks like that's hard for him, right? right. So, like, that reading is definitely there because right. he's, like, struggling with it. And everybody in mm-hmm. the scene is like, tell her, tell Literally her. one
0: <laughs> second until Earth yeah. and the entire universe is obliterated.
1: like, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's super. Mal- this this is a terrible ending for this movie. It's so goofy. It does like this
1: movie's extremely goofy. This movie starts uh, out goofy. Which is great.
0: Yeah, it makes some like plays toward. And I won't say seriousness, but like a straightforward story, and then it just derails at every opportunity it can. I love that. Like Chris Tucker's whole character, it's like a, a, a stereotyped version of like a very flamboyant man. But like it is, I I would. Rather die than not laugh at his at any time that Chris Tucker like lets any vowel sound out of his mouth. It's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. It's an
1: incredible performance. Um of probably it's like, a terrible character. It's pretty problematic, right? Uh, not the least of which, like, he's he's definitely um like a a queer archetype. Oh um, yeah. Even though we see him having a, a straight sex scene for right. no reason whatsoever in the movie.
0: Because he's just super horny he said it's a horny movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is
1: Yeah man, oh god, this is a horny movie. Like, the, the fetish flight attendants, and then we get to see one of the or we have to see, I should say, one of the flight attendants getting it on with, with Ruby Rod. <laughs> His name is Ruby Rod!
0: For some reason, I didn't put together that name until you just said yeah, it into he's a microphone. Also,
1: uh, at least, and this is a very 2019 uh, reading of the movie, uh, but I think he's gender fluid um, because he's referred to as both male and female by... Different characters. Oh, I didn't notice that he refers to himself as Miss Ruby Rod on oh. his uh, broadcast. <laughs> um, I should say they refer to themselves, excuse me, but they use male pronouns, uh, and other people refer to them as male. Um,
0: it is. Uh, he, they're definitely wearing um, not typically masculine clothing either. Very like low cut dresses a lot and leopard print. It's just the most like out there, flamboyant, like very colorful character that really like at a crucial point in that movie. It's where He's been drafted to join, um, or sorry, the main character, uh, Corbin, has been drafted, drafted to uh, pursue this mission as, like, it's a very coincidental movie. Like, coincidentally, Lulu falls into his taxi, and then coincidentally, he's been called by the government completely separately yeah. of that to, like, secure these stones from yeah. a weapons dealer. And, who, and
1: to this movie's great credit, they never do the thing, where they're like, are all of these coincidences merely coincidence, or is this... With life and fate finding a way to perpetuate itself. Right. I'm so glad because like I I thought they were gonna do that. I thought they were gonna be like, no, actually, like Corbin Dallas is the perfect horny soldier for this mission. <laughs> 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 he's the only man for the job, right? Uh, this is a man, what a weird character Corbin Dallas is because he has like a fucking uh, punch drunk love element to him where like he's brow beaten by all of the like two-dimensional misogynistic art like uh cutouts in this movie like his mom and like his wife left him and and his mom browbeats him and like he's this he's this guy that's beaten down by the women in his life it's it's weird yeah uh and and therefore we're supposed to be sympathetic to the weird manipulations of of treating this person who is trying to figure out the world as uh like a love interest.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about that. Uh, the like Lelou as a character is it, and this being only the second Luke Masson film I've seen, it's still just stating in my mind exactly what his films like like the trends in his films, I suppose. But Lelou is like only maybe th- through. Part Like, the end of the second act, is she ever, like, given real agency as a character? She's just this feral being up until then who can right. barely speak.
1: She's also repeatedly sidelined in weird ways.
0: Really? Like, how do they put her away during, like, the climactics? She's in the air vents. She's trying, she to, escape shot, from, yeah. She's yeah, trying to escape from the she air vents. She's in the ceiling, shot, and for, like, 25 minutes, then uh, Bruce Willis gets to go have a badass action scene where he explodes a bunch of side... Mangalors. Uh, ma- man- Mangalors Mangalors Mangalors
1: <laughs> a bunch of non-humans that we can feel really fine non- with. non-humans well, who were you know.
0: who were apparently uh, their home I don't know exactly what the backstory is there but like Gary Oldman's character Zorg is he directly references he's selling uh weapons to the to the Mangalors uh, because he's a weapons dealer and he That's references right. how the government has displaced them and he's like well they are they've displaced you."
1: is like a good analog right like there's a reason they're almost called mandalorians is like they're like intergalactic uh mercenaries because they don't have a homeland anymore
0: yeah and uh bruce willis is given free range to just shoot them explode them kill them fight them while all the while lilu is just stuck in an air vent somewhere like a dipshit like come on you, you this is the savior of the universe that we put into this movie it's her story it's literally her movie. She gets like 3 minutes of a really poorly edited fight scene yeah, after
2: this, she learns karate.
0: This and movie then...
1: loves interstitials. <laughs> like that's the whole thing of this movie.
2: I uh,
0: I want to bring that up as part of the editing cuz it has some really really good jump cuts at times. It is a very way funnier movie than I remember it being. Yeah. Like it is never like i said it sidelines its own like it it asses itself several times throughout this movie to just just for a good laugh
1: to to its credit though it is never not going for it holy shit is this movie going for (laughs) it? i (laughs) I, I wrote down the the horse ebooks everything happens so much but it's just like like it's so obvious that like this movie was like storyboarded the shit out of um they're like three different scenes it's like this movie's signature to have like three different interrelated scenes happening at mm-hmm. once uh there's the opera scene where um lilu is kicking a bunch of ass and it keeps cutting back to this um what's her Asari name sorry opera singer I like that plava
3: laguna plava Where's laguna it? plava laguna
1: yeah uh
0: <laughs> he's seen this
3: movie That's i'm so, so glad we we no, no. I've, I've seen it at least a dozen times at least damn. god damn it <laughs> i think it's my my dad's favorite film Hell yeah. And so, growing up, it was always on in the back. It was like this or Mrs. Doubtfire. Ooh.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry for going so hard against it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I I, 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 pre- I, I appreciate
3: him. it. No, no, no. He did prep me. And I do appreciate being forced to sort of look at it from a different critical lens because up and until this point, it was just purely for entertainment value sure. and, and nostalgia. So, yeah. like, it's good to sort of... Brush that away and sort of see it.
0: It for it, what it is. The those parts of the movie were some of my favorite parts, just from like a filmmaking, like presentation perspective. There's that scene where there's a fight going on uh, in Lulu's room or in the whatever you know the green room, basically behind the opera house. There's the opera performer actually going for it with this like breakbeat techno song. It was like
1: do you, you know that one Russian singer. Uh, YouTube, where he he like does like clicking. Oh, you know that? I'll I'll I'd... link it. We can put it on YouTube. But it's, it really was reminiscent of that to me. Uh, Jason,
0: did you just reference the troll a lull guy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Man. Uh, and just then checking. there's there's a scene where um, they're actually it's before that they're going to they're getting on the plane to go to this resort where they're going to meet up with this opera singer who has the stones, uh, which that. That, when I think about it, that whole second act is just like over the course of maybe a six-hour period in the in the world that they've stretched out into like 45 minutes of movie and it doesn't ever feel slow. Well, like, sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it could lose you, but, um... But, and it, it sets up that triptych again of, like, uh, Ru- Ruby Rod is having sex with one of the flight attendants and it just keeps cutting between them. Their, their interaction is completely, like irrelevant to the plot.
1: He keeps going down on her and then coming back up to talk to her and then going back down, which is
0: like each time increasing in like How
1: does he do th- with the hair situation that he has <laughs> going on? Very phallic. Yeah, it's got to be a, a tough <laughs> angle. Uh who was it? It was
0: Thierry uh, Thierry Arbogast, I think. It was the costume designer in this movie. Uh, no,
3: Jean Paul Gaultier was the costume director. What am I You th- the uh, Terry is the uh Director of cinematography, Ooh. DB.
2: Idiot. <laughs> what
0: a nimrod. I will see myself out. Well, no, D-B, D-B, D-B.
3: no,
2: no, no,
3: I've seen this movie a
0: lot. <laughs> uh, that deserves a lot of praise. Uh, but yeah, the, the way that this movie likes to—that's what I mean by when I say um, that it like it doesn't take itself too seriously through most of the movie. Uh, and therefore, feels like more of a popcorn movie, like just uh, a, a romp at times. It has it indulges in a lot of those problematic things that like are definitely worth calling out and definitely like are the basis of the movie in many ways.
1: Uh, I I shouldn't take credit for that criticism fully either. Um, Anna, his latest, Luke Besson's latest movie is out now. Um, there's a lot of really good criticism around that. Uh, Does and-
0: it do the same thing?
1: Yeah, uh, Anna's like extremely still a Lupus on movie. She's like a, a blank slate character who was reprogrammed by the state into becoming an assassin. She's
0: Salt. She's Red Sparrow. Yeah.
1: Uh, it, She's it, Lucy, another again, Lupus the, on the film. the way it's framed... <laughs> as always yeah another the on film is that like she has these incredible powers and abilities but she also has like this this coquettish, like naivete about the world itself A brokenness and, and and so she's this sort of blank slate onto which the male characters can project their fantasies and for whatever reason projecting those fantasies onto these women is not considered predatory it's considered sort of sweet and sympathetic like with uh corbin in this movie um
0: <clears throat> uh where does this movie fit in um I guess the, the, the canon of sci-fi because when I think about this movie now, after having seen it once more in like the last 10 years, I guess I think of it, um, as like a really strong marriage of like sci-fi trope and comedy. That's not explicitly like parodical, like space balls or something like it takes, it owes a lot to the star Wars of the universe to like Indiana Jones even. Uh, but like in the canon of sci-fi, like what does it does it occupy its own space or are there other movies that you guys would lump in with this one as like
1: I mean we just saw Forbidden Planet um and uh I think this movie owes a lot to camp in general like sci-fi camp it, it feels like it's it's referencing that canon a lot mm-hmm. um this it's it's such it's so uh preoccupied like joyfully preoccupied with uh having fun with creativity and technology uh and that may be my favorite part of the movie um, often in, in ways that don't even aren't even like talked about or don't even make sense. There's that one scene when they're headed into the uh, the chamber where they're remaking uh, Lilu, and. Uh there's this this point when they they go under like black light mm-hmm. and their their eyes glow green and their teeth glow green and you see, see all miss the, their
3: pores in their skin and yeah. Like that, yeah and <laughs>
1: it's never explained what that is or it like maybe it's like some sort of decontamination chamber yeah. or something but like they just have this conversation and that just happens to them and then they keep walking <laughs> and I was like okay that rules like I love in sci-fi movies when they do shit like that when it's just like ah uh, we're just gonna talk about uh, or like we're just gonna depict this world and not like call
0: it out. Um, you looked like you had something to add to that. Oh, I've, no, got, I've got no. one instance. I, that-
3: I, what, I had a DVD copy of The Fifth Element, and it has a fact uh, fact track on it. And one of the things that Luke like put a lot of effort in was the original cut of this movie was so much longer, and there's so many things that he just came up with to put in the film that are never explained. Like, the Mondoshiwan language that she is speaking has a, gra- like, a, a grammatical thing? structure, it is a language. That's it's like four like hundred
2: words big. Yeah, well, um, it's
3: it's wow. not very big, yeah. right? But, yeah, but they created it even when they're leaving uh, for Lost in Paradise, and they're in that you know spaceport mm-hmm. uh, earlier. He has like an explanation for all the garbage that you see there, and but that was never made into the final cut of the film, or even like tiny things like McDonald's is in the film.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite break uh, <laughs> jokes of the movie is that. Uh, um, when he crashes into a mcdonald's truck it says over one trillion yes exactly yeah they've served more people yeah fucking rules like that's so
0: funny uh i will bring up my favorite part of little world building that's not quite explained uh it's again when they're it's during that same i was mentioning the triptych climactics like that climactic scene uh (laughs) where everybody's trying to get on the plane and get to the lost in paradise and there's a guy underneath and unfortunately this movie traffics in a lot of um racial stereotypes too including a very strongly accented Jamaican man who's walking underneath the plane and he's like right. I gotta get some heat man what Gotta get some what, heat. An,
1: what an interesting specific cultural reference because like I think that that's maybe referencing how Jamaican people were often like engineers on like oh. like ships in World War Two. like I know that was like an, I didn't know like the history a, there a thing that like that like Jamaican men were often um crew members of like freighters and stuff hmm. uh
0: I didn't know that. It makes a lot of sense for the X files, but I, I will compare this movie more than one time to beyond good and evil the video game, because it is the exact same time. Wow. I don't know how much of that can yeah, you play, but it's like, great like it's, it's like they took that's the right. story and dropped it into a completely different, like this world. You don't anyway. have to apologize to me anytime <laughs> you want to talk about video games. <laughs> uh, he still will. I guarantee every single time. Uh, but during that scene, um, he keeps saying like, I need some heat, man, I need some heat. And then they come by with flamethrowers and just burn these like mouse type things off of the wheels. And it's like, totally unnecessary like not not at all related or even tangent to the film but again like in in this world there are like things that burrow in the bottom of a plane that need to be burned away that need to be killed and murdered (laughs) rather than like scared off or just like leave on their own.
1: that scene kind of pays off in that we uh they end up finding the beast in the like bowels of the ship because they're looking for those parasites again. He's,
0: he's stowed away so that he can follow them. And a lot the of action. those scenes
1: kind of pay off. Like one of my favorite scenes uh, in the movie is in Bruce Willis's Bruno's uh, apartment. <laughs> um, it, early on, when we're introduced to Corbin Dallas, we see the way his apartment works and the way that everything is like like automatically. Like disposes of he has, itself. He has
0: and, a like, gun rack that just comes right, down from the ceiling resets. right in front of his door. I was gonna say that's another scene that was storyboarded to
2: shit. Yeah, every, every new every was, new right? shot just has like this new rich detail about what this man's life is like. Yeah,
1: like like for better or worse, we've talked about the worse. Uh, but um, this this is such a Lupasand movie, and he had such a like overriding uh, directorial vision for this. Um, so it totally makes sense, that's what you were saying about how like he had so much shit he wanted to fit into this movie. Um and that, that like really works in this movie, I think. Like mm-hmm. I love the opera house. I love the idea to go to an opera house. They're like at a resort. It's like like such an interesting they they had so many different interesting ideas. Um anyway, uh Bruno's apartment. Um <laughs> still not they, Bruno uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bruno's return, the return of Bruno. Um he uh he has all of these disposable things, and then later on in the movie, we, we see them pay off because he hides people in them and stuff. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I didn't put it together, but when he lays down, he's talking to his boss about Lilu Like, hey, this big fair landed in my lap. Literally, she fell through the ceiling of his car when he, of his taxi cab. Uh, and he's laying down, and there's plastic on the bed. And I'm like, why is there plastic on the bed? And then later on, when he stuffs Ian Holm into this compartment to hide him when the police are coming by, uh, then Ian you know, Holm gets wrapped up in the saran wrap. Then his mom references getting saran wrapped to the bed later. It's a weird, weird movie. This is a weird fucking movie.
2: It does occupy, uh, like we're talking about, where the the fel- fifth element kind of lands as far as influence in the history yes, of soccer. Yeah, sorry, we can now. get back to that. Yeah, no, and I just think, like, Harry, that whole, like, this movie really goes for it. Like, that, like, in the vein of for, uh, Forbidden Planet, in the vein of other films that. For better and for worse, really go for it, Um, and like that is aided by the fact that it has this really prestigious cast. Like early on, I noted just like man, Bruce Willis, um, Mila Yovovich, and Ian Holm
0: is an amazing
2: core for a sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's a really strong cast, and Um,
0: like I wouldn't have put them those three in a movie together. Like even in retrospect, yeah, like that's it's not a natural pairing. It's not like you know Jackie Chan and. And Chris Tucker in Rush Hour. It's like, you know, it's not even like an opposite attract thing. It's just like they're separate parts of the world, separate mm-hmm. parts of Hollywood, I guess. Um, when you guys say that this movie really goes for it, what do you, what are you, ref- what do you mean? Like, just that it does not half ass any of its ideas? That it yeah. doesn't compromise for yeah, like,
2: um, And kind of going back to, I mean, even, uh, Bruno's apartment where it's like every, every single shot is communicating something, you know, a shot of cigarette dispenser limiting how often he smokes, uh, another, you know, cut to an automated, um, uh, like that bed thing, just showing the machinations of this world, without actually communicating anything even if it's not about him specifically like we get such a rich backdrop of what this world is even if we even if it even though it is like a pretty straightforward vanilla character like it's world building with literally every moment
1: yeah kind of like uh, like blade runner is another obvious reference um and like that movie the the um the details of the environment almost overwhelm the a plot mm. so often um like uh there was one there's like there are a couple of different like almost montage interstitial scenes that were almost overwhelming to me and that's when i wrote down this it's like there's that one scene where like reggae is playing and like like there are the the priest is getting on the ship and the the henchmen are trying to get on the ship and everybody's using corbin dallas's name and corbin dallas has sort of muscled his way onto the ship uh Leloo keeps saying multi-pass. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be. Um, and it was just like, what the fuck am I watching? And like, I, I actually really liked that about this movie. I yeah. loved that like, it was just dripping off the screen. Um, when, when Gary Oldman has his villainous monologue, uh, he incorporates like three 30 robots as props in it. Uh, there's a scene where he sits down, and we're supposed to understand that he's a, a man of excess, and he hits a button, and water comes up from his table, and then it says water, and then fruit <laughs> comes up from his table, and it says fruit. And I love that. And and then he doesn't play. even stop talking. Like, it just, yeah,
0: He takes a cherry, and it says a cherry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I and then th- he starts choking on the cherry, and that gives the priest an opportunity to give his counter-argument, which is yeah. really good.
0: which is the I don't mean to take your point, Cody. Please go for it if you if you got one. But like, okay. But I'm now go you're midway one. through your sentence. Yeah. So you should just <laughs> go. I, I shouldn't have should even giving you the room to, to talk. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, Tough but fair. But like, it goes back to what I was saying about how the movie likes to like go back on itself. Like that whole scene. It sets up. Uh, it's a great scene to talk about um, because it like embodies a lot of the movie for me. When Zorg is meeting with, I'm forgetting Ian Holm's character's name, but Vito know,
3: Cornelius. <laughs>
0: With Vito Cornelius, uh, and Zorg is intimidating him because they've met before. Zorg tried to buy the stones from Vito. I'm kind of calling Vito, um, and uh, so they have this confrontation about like the military-industrial complex, where Zorg pretty much lays out like th- his reasoning for even being an arms dealer, which is like pretty way more transparent than a lot of movies are about their villains. It's, Tra- it's, like, it's uh, a
1: hilarious motivation, and it's also extremely 1997. Uh, but we'll yeah, talk it's about uh, it.
0: it's it's pretty much. Like, you can listen to this monologue and understand the entirety of the Metal Gear franchise, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he has all these, ro- like, he breaks a, a glass, he explains that, um, and all these robots come to clean it up, and he's like, without this mess, without this chaos, there would be, like, none of these people would have jobs to clean it up. Like, we can support babies, and their babies' babies, and whole generations of families. He's creating jobs. So yeah, basically, <laughs> uh, to to support like the lo- the economy and the world, and we're creating life through making war. And it's like this really unconvincing, but very like spelled out motivation. And then immediately thereafter, he takes a swig of his water and cherry. He puts a cherry in his water. Who the fu- It's like a shot of water too. It's like in his branding glass. <laughs> I don't, still don't understand that. But he chokes. He starts choking on it, and the scene is just immediately reversed. Because he then, like, none of his robots can help him. Nothing can slap him on the back to help him from dying. He even, like, wakes up this little elephant dog Another perfect example, right? We get, like, a weird CGI,
1: like, miniature elephant. That right. It was straight like, out
0: of the Flintstones. It yeah, was wild. It looked like a Muppets character because it has such expressive eyes and, like, a smiling mouth and face. And it just stares at him <laughs> while he's choking to death. And Ian Holm, of course, then has the upper hand. He's like, Well, where's where's the robot to slide, to pat you on the back? And to like, it's kind of weird that he that doesn't Heimlich. have
1: one, right? Like, it, really, <laughs> it really is. Like, he's got one for everything else. Like, why doesn't he just have like a Heimlich robot? Yeah.
0: But, uh, but then that scene ends with, of course, Ian Holm being the bigger man, slapping him on the back, saving his life. He's like, You saved my life, so I'll spare yours. And he throws him out. And then he's like, He tells him he's a horrible person or something. Ian Holm's you're like, You're a monster. Oh, you're a monster. And he's like, I know. And kicks him out. And then the scene ends. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's that's the vibe that I love from this movie is that it really, it finds that midway point between uh, being self-serious, being tropey, and just like being a joke, being a joke of many sci-fi films that came before it. Like Blade Runner is probably like the biggest piss take I've seen of Blade Runner in many ways. It's It still indulges in a lot of those, like the issues and problems and tropes that, uh, that Blade Runner and its ilk like do have, but to me... Uh, it feels in some ways like a response to that through those through that through that tone, if not through specific like plotting and writing.
2: Yes. No. Hit it. Uh, I have mixed feelings about Gary Oldman uh, in this movie. I almost think it would be a better movie without him in it at all. Ooh. Um, you think somebody instead of him, or like, no, just role, like gone? removing that role. Um, I I I was envisioning a movie where. Like, uh, Corbin Dallas and Lilu are just kind of combating the universe, make them like a faceless smattering of, you know, Gleep Glops or other aliens. Um, you and it, Luke Besson have been speaking about his next film. <laughs> wow. Uh, Valyrian in the... In the one planet. Pla- in the planet <laughs> of a thousand cities, whatever it's called. Um, and, and just have it be them combating this this universe that we've already said is a character in its own right. Um, instead of needing to shoehorn in these additional sequences with Gary Oldman just to give him space to kind of, uh, you know, dance around in. Um, that being said, I like, his arc was really satisfying in, I mean, like, in a shitty and then great way where <laughs> I see him on screen and then I thought of Shuri and Black Panther um, calling Martin Freeman colonizer. Uh, <laughs> that is very much how I felt about this guy, just manipulating... The, what he views as lesser races to pursue his greater ambition of world domination essentially. Uh, and in the end like he got exploded by the uh, Mondachewans? Like
3: no, they- uh, those are the Mangalore. <laughs>
0: Whatever. It's, it's a real thing. Uh, it is, I, I know we touched on it just barely before but to set the stage better for that, uh, his introduction, Zorg's introduction is that he's a weapons dealer um, and he is dealing to this uh, more or less refugee group that is fighting back against the government and he's playing them. He's mm-hmm. manipulating them like you said um, and he's under the control of the Mr. Shadow. Mm-hmm. Mr. Right. Shadow? Shadow Mister? Shadow I, Sir? No, he
2: got his PhD. He's Dr. Shadow. I think. Dr. Shadow PhD? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, LMS? Yeah. If you LMS? Junior. Uh, Seth, what made this movie so timeless for you? Was it just that your dad... <laughs> like watched it a lot and so you watched it a lot
3: no i it, it's some of that for sure but i i think kind of uh what's been referenced is that it is it is so earnest in just like putting its foot forward about the kind of world it is uh none of none of the characters uh actually you mentioning that uh Zorg might have not had a place i was thinking about it he really only exists to sort of give a human face to the protagonist to the faceless bad guys right because you have a planet made of evil and uh (laughs) and yeah just like these gleep glorpy aliens uh so you need that but one of the interesting things this isn't my point but i've read it a lot the main cast of characters they never meet like they never actually come into conflict ian holm meets zorg but And Lilu meets uh, Zorg, but they never have like a, a culmination yeah. of all the characters meeting in the same room at the same time. It's literally when they are leaving Flost in Paradise, they go into the elevator the second he comes out. And that is the only time all four actors are like in one In the same take. scene.
0: Now, what do you think that does for the narrative, then? Does it like just well, stretch it out?
3: I, well, that's why I think it might be could be treated as extraneous because really the the villain is supposed to be evil Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be it's you know supposed to be revolving around this one sort of good versus evil bad versus light but you never really see a conflict with a secondary character
1: right but he does he does characterize the the like you said he gives a human face to the the evil quote unquote um but specifically in the sense of the sort of human nature that Lilu talks about. She says at one point that, like, why is humanity worth preserving? Everything you create is used to destroy. Um, and, uh, like, there's no better embodiment of that than Gary Oldman's character, right? Is, that is like, he he is portrayed as this hyper-capitalist who is, like, if not literally in control of everything, then above everything. Um, like, like, the world's government sort of are beneath him, uh, and he has more power than any of them. Certainly, he
0: um, even owns the taxi cab service. That he owns
1: every. Yeah, at one Bruno point, at one point, his assistant comes to him and he says, "Hey, like we're worried about the economy, we need to lay off five hundred thousand people." And he says, "Lay off a million people," and he's like, "Are you sure?" And then he's like, Gary Oldman just turns around and gives him a dirty look, and he's like, "Yes, sir, of course." Uh, he's like Shinra, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie came out the same year as Final Fantasy VII. You thought I wasn't going to reference it?
0: Uh, we tried to contain the yeah. Uh
1: but but it's it's a it's a good characterization of like the the what's not worth preserving, right? Like like I think uh, Mila sorry. Jovovich's Yovavitch. character. Um, Yankovich. Like, I think that part of what, she, what she's afraid of preserving is the idea that this is going to keep happening and going on forever. Because like, that's what, I think the compelling thing about Derry Oldman's character is that he, he's sort of relaxed in the sense that he knows that he's winning. Like, He knows that like, like, as long as I can just keep manipulating events so that chaos reigns, I profit. And and there's something funny and, and compelling about how easy that is compared to how hard it would be to do anything else. Yep. Um. And that was uh that was interesting to me as a as a characterization. The idea that like it's really easy to profit off of um, man's inhumanity to man. Right. And and it's in... also really 1997 in the in the sense that like we need uh, an agent of chaos to perpetuate chaos because like the arc of history is headed toward. Uh, utopia. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was mm. funny to me that, that there was a guy who had to do that. And, <laughs> and funny in, in, like, sort of a sad way, in the sense that, like, there's no way that this villain exists in 2019.
0: Yeah, with as strong as the world is in, uh, like, being described by and, like, developed through the various little vignettes we get and the various details that this movie really has. But it, it does play to what Cody was saying about, like, he is ultimately, like, a face for a faceless thing. Um, but your point actually makes me think of him more as, like, less of an agent of the plot and more of, like, part of the world then. Like, he is the For face sure. of the military-industrial complex that is basically threatening existence while existence is being threatened by an ethereal force, right? And,
1: and the sort of existential conflict of uh, Lilu's character. Like, when she, like, an hour and 15 minutes into this movie, she types war into her computer and learns all of the things about war. Which I, consists of a lot of pictures of Vietnam and then the atom bomb. <laughs> uh, because that's what <laughs> one looks like.
2: Uh, I was going to say, I think it's even further. Because um, I remember looking up... Um, I watched this on Netflix. I didn't get a chance to see it at Trilon. Sorry. opens. Sorry, Sorry, Mr. Trilon. Oh. Um, oh, okay. Then that's fine. Uh, so I don't feel bad. You've uh, now
0: pulled that, pierced the veil and revealed that we didn't actually see this round table discussion of a movie at the Trilon oh, No, you all saw it. I, I didn't
2: see it it's we're we're in the year 2021 sure we've all seen yeah yeah. um it's like 14 minutes left in the movie that she types in the word war into the computer Yeah, i
1: wrote down the note oh now this is a movie about the atom bomb
2: (laughs) there are ways to (laughs) there are ways to work in zorg um gary oldman um but there are ways you can do it and aid the pacing of this movie um it's like two hours and 10 minutes 14 minutes left including end credits is a weird time for lilu to be learning about war he's
1: an he's an interesting um and again this is very 2019 reading but like there's an interesting climate change metaphor at work in this movie Hmm. in that uh derry oldman is is actively working to bring about the end of the world because he profits from his perception of what that would mean Uh, He's wrong about that, of course, right? Like, Mr. Shadow isn't going to let him be king or whatever, (laughs) but he's, he's trying to bring about, or he's working against the people who are trying to end Mr. Shadow, which is, like, impending apocalypse. Dr. Shadow. Because of his status within what currently exists, right? And so, between bringing about the, or, like, opposing the apocalypse and the change that that would require, and perpetuating the status quo, even if that means the end of everything, he would rather perpetuate the status quo just so he could enjoy his status for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I need to really spell out the climate metaphor there. <laughs> like it seems uh, obvious and interesting. It's um, also
0: uh, it's also interesting that he is very heavily coded with like a southern accent, right. and his name is is it Jean Baptiste Emmanuel, and then just sci-fi ass name of Zorg. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that that like his introduction as a character through Gary Oldman's performance, I think is is a pretty strong. Like without that anchoring, again, I don't think we really need to be the character that he is. Right, right. Um,
1: also, uh, Mister Shadow, the Dark Planet is a big meteor. Nineteen ninety-seven was a big year for big meteors,
3: mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and for Willis Bruce Willis and meteors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> holy shit.
2: Armageddon, no Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon oh. dude? never seen Armageddon. i think it may have been technically 98 be yeah, i think it was later whatever um, um, yeah suck
0: yeah,
1: Bruce yeah was. i don't uh, i don't necessarily i guess are we wrapping things up um
2: uh, any
0: lingering thoughts
2: yeah um did y'all have any i don't know i thought the music in this in in this movie oh. slapped a yeah, lot that's great. um did you all have any like musical bits that stood out to you all
0: well to, the, go ahead sorry the chase scene uh, that, yes. results, that results the results after Lilu falls into uh, Boris's taxi I forget his actual name Corbin Corbin Bruno no. um, is really great because it's, it's getting like that uh, Matrix ass drum beat, like the Amen break for like mm. seven minutes uh, on, with like uh, I'm assuming e- like Middle Eastern singing over top of it yeah uh, which of course is, goes a long way to creating that tone of like uh, I guess this movie doesn't address a whole. Well, in some ways it does, but not throughout. It address um, the intersection of cultures uh, as part of uh, like the future. This is only three hundred years in the future, which feels yes. really like a conservative estimate of yeah. where we're at with some of these technologies. Um, but it go, it, like it, in the same way that uh, like Blade Runner did with Japanese culture, and like how basically it's that weird Japanophobia thing that goes on in a lot of uh, cyberpunk and sci-fi uh, it does that in this movie but it's more of set dressing mm-hmm. uh, than like uh, than a fear or, or like a, a, an oppressive force type thing mm-hmm. I, and it to get back to the music it, it it's exemplified through the music mostly for me that's that part was probably i think the strongest scoring i mean the the famous like the opera scene is yeah what everybody remembers from this I movie
2: i really loved the opera scene the, um, i really hoped i i don't know that that singer deserved her own movie just like the trajectory of that character up to that point would have been tremendous to see.
1: Don't worry though; we she dies, and then the shitty white male protagonist reaches inside of her to grab.
3: Literally the takes apart out her, of her body, has yeah. to cultivate
0: it from her corpse. The the savior of the universe. You're right though. Like, imagine,
3: go ahead. Oh no! The, uh, the funny thing you say about wishing there was a whole scene, or like a whole movie with that character. She had a full blown opera like performance. Oh man! And she was like very upset in the final cut of the film that it was cut to like a two minute uh, opera performance cut with Lilu's fight scene so you don't even see her and then there also was a dance number what? But if you see her like dress, she's wearing like a,
0: a single mermaid leg. cut yeah. thing
3: that restricts her legs, so that's why you see the like the arm dancing she does, just to sort of recoup some of the performance that she had wow. been rehearsing for. Man, that's the saddest fuck thing. You,
0: Luke that's yeah. the saddest thing I've heard since the remake of Old Boy that Spike Lee did. They did like they did the hammer scene in one take, just like they did in the original. And then the like when it got to the cutting room floor, Spike Lee didn't have uh, any sort of authority there, apparently in this movie. And they chopped it all to hell. Like what? they they have multiple camera angles and they have a lot of editing in that scene. That's fucking and, nuts. And, and reportedly, Josh Brolin, because he's the lead in that remake, yeah. just broke down and cried when he saw the final thing because it took like days and days to get this scene just right and perfectly wow. choreographed. So that that's awful to hear. Fuck. The people who made that decision should be in prison right, <laughs> right now. The street <laughs> like, forever <he> kicked.
2: Um. <laughs> going back to the music in this movie wow um, sorry no i no that was a beautiful and sad tangent um uh the the i called it the surgery scene in my notes. it's not really a surgery but the reconstruction of that cell into the perfect being lilu um some issues with that scene in general but the soft orchestral music playing during that was if not over the top really kind of great i don't know i, I liked, like that i liked
1: all the music in this a lot yeah even the like weird uh reggae which was maybe problematic but i still like that
2: occurred
0: during the scene where they introduced it's the scene the, you're
3: talking about with with the uh the the, the porny music when ruby rod is like oh, during that triptych scene yeah and then when it's the the coded jamaican guy it's like, guy, the, the it's like reggae down there but then it's like yeah.
0: super extra
1: through the,
3: through the rest of the uh the rest of the scenes it there's is a lot
1: of bass in this movie uh which i which i'm <laughs> all about i guess I don't know.
0: oh um, my God. i like the last
1: scene the last scene where she saves the universe um <laughs> or the world or whatever there's like a music box type song playing mm-hmm. that i like a lot mm-hmm. um the music in this is really good and, and like really confident in its characterization which is like this whole movie right like if if the script is bad uh and it is very bad um then, like, the the direction and the world building and the, um, the like, set design are really, really good.
0: Yeah. It, um, it is, uh, a, like, a visual and audible... It's just a treat. Like, it's very well-concepted. You can imagine the concept art for this movie looking very close to what the actual end of, like, final product looked like. I don't know what this movie cost, but I'm, I'm assuming that Luc Besson banked on uh, past success as a filmmaker plus, like... The whole it's like colorful Star Wars and it's cyberpunky. Closest, like. Its closest
1: relative is probably Total Recall, right? I mean, like like yeah, definitely, totally like sure the Total Recall of the nineties. Um, I don't I don't think I can fully follow you in the the sort of argument that this is a, a piss take on the genre or a subversion mm-hmm. at all because it still traffics in the exact same sexism and uh racism and misogyny that a lot of the sci-fi always has Mm -hmm. ultimately this is a movie that really comes down hard on the side of corbin being like a good guy uh and like sort of ultimately um like uh what's the word i'm looking for affirming of a lot of the values espoused by him uh this movie really loves corbin a lot there's that whole scene where he's a contest winner and ruby rod is trying to sell him as like the like, ideal man, and then, like, later on in parallel, when he's saving Ruby Rod's life during the shootout sequence, we see that he is, like, the ideal man, and so this movie's, like, definition of ideal man is, like, this hyper-masculine, like, gun-slinging, like, badass, and that's all fine and good. Yeah. Uh. uh-
2: real quick the um the budget for this film was 90 million dollars box office intake was 263.9 million um yeah i remember reading this i mean this was a super ambitious project i mean even now it would be um but i think at the time this was like a big heavy special effects undertaking that had really before
0: been seen it's
1: awesome that it was such a success yeah
0: right um at least to be gratifying for the like people who were behind the creative execution of it yeah right totally um
2: my maybe my least favorite part of the movie real quick um it's another ruby rod thing uh when they're walking into the opera house and they're just kind of like riffing um ruby is like i don't know uh, talking a mile a minute obviously and then um they reference uh or kind of point out this like daughter of royalty uh and then ruby makes some comment about her singing and then just plays from that like cane like sex noises that she was making Man, that sucks a lot. Yeah, it
1: sucks a lot. Uh, there's the scene with Iceborg, the lieutenant, uh, female lieutenant, who is yeah. supposed to come with Bruce Willis. Uh, oh, yeah. And she's just, like, large oh, and not good-looking, and they just make fun of her for it a lot. Uh, this is a movie that does not like women very much.
2: Correct. Um, uh,
1: I like Ruby Rod a lot. Uh, yeah. So it sucks that, like, I think later in the movie he's, he's sort of... Um, made fun of a lot but he's like super popular in universe uh, and I liked that a lot mm-hmm. I really liked the the um, world building inroads that gave us to understand that like Ruby Rod is like the most popular dude or, or person oh, yeah, yeah. in, in this, this universe and like what does that tell us about culture and like that made me like that joy um, was really exciting to me I was like man I would love if in 200 years people like Ruby Rod are like the super popular like <laughs> yeah. except that he also sits on women uh so that sucks yeah um but but other than that like I, I i love that specific vision of the the world and i wish we had more of it i wish that like like we could get like a gender fluid like wild sci-fi movie where all of those things are like cool and, mm-hmm. and good um
2: i wish um like all priests in the future were like ian home and that just like in moments of disarray uh, they can be found sitting at this like airport bar basically drunkenly talking about the nature of the universe mm. sci-fi their
0: faith with a robot who is then programmed <laughs> to be able to shake his head <laughs> no <Yeah>. he <laughs> <asks, like, laughs> that is one of the best gags uh that i think this movie has the, o- the other best gag for me uh just because i'm bringing up the topic of best gags is um right when gary when zorg discovers that the stones aren't in the trunk that he thought they were in it's like at the end of the first act-ish yeah uh and he says they're not here and then it just smash cuts to yep. lilu just
2: ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that is one of those great yeah cross-cutting exhibitions that we had talked There's about so earlier. that was really, really good it
0: is very it, like, very good
1: it, it gives it a really good feel too right like yeah, i think yeah. the pacing of this movie
0: is really good um seth talk about the pacing
3: Uh, no i agree i somebody you you (laughs) mentioned doing that you (laughs) asked well well, the thing you kept mentioning that this movie is two hours long and i kept remember thinking i'm like that doesn't seem that because my experience with it is like it's a very snappy like you get through the movie yeah Yeah. there is for sure
0: yeah can we agree that this is like a well-made movie but maybe like the contents of it are a little rotten at times. Like I think, I think that the contents of it support its form, and it's like it, the context of it is like a valid and like it's a worthwhile worthwhile entry into the, the canon, I guess, of sci-fi. If I'm going to bring that phrase back, um, but that like, of course, it indulges in a lot. Like Harry said, and I agree, agreed, indulges in a lot of things that make bad sci-fi bad too
1: yeah i I don't know uh, maybe this is this is me having like specific bones to pick and, and being a bit of a hypocrite but like I really don't like when movies try to hide behind camp as a uh a response to criticism like I feel like this movie is saying like like it's it's the person who's like well if you criticize it like it's just a joke but if you love it you should love it seriously right. you know what I mean like it's trying to have its cake and eat it too or it's like any sort of like criticism you could level against it feels um um, like you're missing the point because of how funny it is but then like if you could have anything serious to say about it it would want that too and it's like nah like you can like be silly and still be evil <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: you've seen this movie more than a dozen times mm-hmm. is there anything you don't like about it mm. yeah that's uh, a tough
3: question. Th- th- that is a tough question uh it's also a loaded question because I've seen this movie throughout my life. Yeah. Different, so different
2: points of my life. It's not just nostalgia. It's, right. it's a tough question to ask of, like, the rose-tinted
0: glasses right. movies of it's your like lives, It's like asking me what sure. I think about, like, what what I don't like about Indiana Jones. I can yeah. say that it's, like, it's an inherently racist and colonialist franchise, but it, aside from that Yeah. Only-
1: I mean, like, like to avoid, I'm, you know, like, I'm not quote-unquote better then, like, I love
0: no Blade Harry, War. you're the
2: best. No,
1: I, I'm saying that I love play which is more problematic than this movie is straight up. Yeah, um, yeah. and like less worthy of defense, probably. Um, so I'm, you know, I like, I get it. <laughs> right.
3: yeah, I, no, no, no. Uh, the the only thing I would say I don't like about this movie is it introduces the beginning, uh, with like this very sort of archaeological mystic like very in-depth lore about what this 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 elemental you know cult thing is Mm -hmm. and they keep referencing lilu as a supreme being and like this bigger sort of undertaking of protecting the universe and then all of that is sort of put to the side while these misadventures happen and then all the way at the end they bring it back yeah, and I would have liked to explore like what is happening behind the scenes in that world uh-huh. for sure. That opening sequence was tremendous.
2: Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot, but it was also very much like a different movie that it was setting up. Yeah, I totally I, agree. I totally
0: don't remember that. That's how the movie opened from the last time I saw it, maybe I, like five or six have years that ago. At least in the
1: climax specifically, I remember thinking I was like, "Man, this movie opened in Egypt in 1914. <laughs> like, how did the fuck did I get here?" Uh, in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, but also, yeah, I, I would have loved. I think that this movie's world-building is really good, and I wish I had more of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, the elements of world-building that are there that aren't, like, explicitly explained are great. But I think I'm also with Seth on, like, we see only echoes of that initial scene uh, through, basically, Vito Mm -hmm. and his character, because he is a contingent. He's one of the people who's, well, maybe an opera singer again, maybe, reflect, would have loved to know more about her because, like, she is clearly part of the Resistance, right? She has these stones inside her for some reason. Four of these fucking things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing to me that this isn't based on anything. Because usually when you get a, like, lush sort of... Um, big-budget swing at a sci-fi movie, it's specifically a Philip K. Dick adaptation, (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) if not a a Philip K. Dick adaptation, then it's some other adaptation of something, right? And, like, this is just a... It says, story by Luke Besson. Like, this motherfucker just wrote this.
0: Maybe, Maybe that's why this movie feels a little like... Not unapproachable, it's super approachable, but, like, a little hollow at times, is because it's not... It's sort of like a reflection of a reflection in some ways. Like like the way that Waluigi is just <laughs> and, uh, like a reflection of Luigi who is a reflection of Mario you can get behind this even Cody can get behind yeah, this I'm familiar with his work I'm sorry for making video re- references you might not get i uh, uh, name is Cody While Waluigi Walu- is mainstream can... enough that I know who he is human
1: experiences they can themselves become more human therefore Waluigi as he experiences life in the form of sports video games can derive he can become... a legitimate identity for himself
0: exactly and this movie maybe I've has... seen Blade Runner <laughs> <laughs> sees Blade Runner once <laughs> <laughs> intense Waluigi theories <laughs> i hate what is waluigi
1: if not a replica
0: um
2: i hate circling back to metachlorians but i will um just thought of this now uh reading through my notes again um did star wars rip off metachlorians from this movie because they talk about during that surgery sequence that this cell has a certain number of memo groups uh humans have like 40 of them um this cell that Leeloo is built from has over two hundred thousand
0: memo groups. Nobody
1: has that many memo groups. Not even Master Yoda. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uh This movie, prob- I'm like, I'm assuming that at this point, after like sci-fi had reached some level of maturity, where's, I mean, I would probably put Blade Runner at like, it's a child's movie, but like. <laughs> at, at a certain level of, like, the, the sci-fi genre, as in film anyway, had sort of matured by then. It mm-hmm. was around for, like, 30, nearly 40 years by the time that Blade Runner came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that, like, there's there's just sort of a free exchange of ideas between. Right. Blade Runner is a child's movie as a tea shop that's coming soon to the Tri Love store. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, Seth, if you go to Org, you'll find all of our beautiful merchandise. Oh, okay. um,
2: we have a subscription box service. Uh, you can get monthly uh, it's empty the, boxes. Uh, cool <laughs> so cool. Uh, try box.
3: Let me know if I can get a tour of the uh, the take mine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you, open up the, you open up the empty trial box and you say they're not here. I <laughs> know <laughs> we cut. To it's just
2: no. It's a flash drive with an MP3 file of M-
0: M- Mila Jovovich cackling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think that this movie deserves uh, better costuming praise than any Star Wars film.
2: Yeah, certainly. That's a and good take. That's a too. good take. Thank you. Did you get that from the take, Mine?
0: Uh, no, I was just I was panning for gold in the take. Uh, <laughs> the take basin? The take, <laughs> the take basin. waters? <laughs> the take water. <laughs> I am done talking about this movie. Is anybody else done talking about this movie?
1: Sure. Um, yeah. I guess.
0: Whoa.
3: I really thought the guns looked cool. They did look really good.
2: They're so big. Luke Luke Perry had a teeny gun. Yeah. That was also a cool gun.
0: Little broom handle thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Was it automatic? It feels like he fired a bunch of shots, but maybe he was just panicking. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think he was was just being a stupid idiot. Luke Perry. He's dead now, right? Yeah. I couldn't have recognized him before you wrote a piece for Unwinnable about him.
1: Oh folks. I wasn't fishing for that. (laughs) Bye. Aziz, why? <laughs> we should say our name. We should
3: say our names. Sure. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. And I'm guest Seth Zarati.
1: If people want to uh, find out more about you, Seth, where can they do that?
3: Uh, oh, uh, they could follow me on Twitter. I guess at uh, at s n zarati. How do you spell that? Uh, s n z a r a t e. For all of my very bad dad jokes and hell yeah, live tweeting of. College basketball games and hell yeah. Maybe, and maybe sometimes talking about like
2: movies. Wow. It's a good, it's a I'm good. I'm gonna Twitter. follow your account. That sounds awesome. All of it.
0: He follows TriLove now. <gasps> it's not gonna follow him back, but no. <gasps> you gotta be cool. You gotta be cool. <laughs> we gotta be aloof.
1: TriLove doesn't follow back?
0: TriLove doesn't follow back unless we're uh, TriLove
1: doesn't follow back. <laughs> Coming soon to the <laughs> Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our episode about the fifth element. Um, we'll be back with another sometime soon about something else.
1: Bing bada boom.
0: If it's not clear by now, it is my explicit intent to ruin the ending of every single episode.
1: Bing bada boom.
2: Chicken, good.